0: John Kessler is the dining critic for the Chicago Magazine. He is an award-winning writer for both the James Beard Foundation and the National Headliner Award. He is the former chairman for the James Beard Journalism Committee. His most recent article entitled, The Problem with Alinea, can be found on the internet near you. John, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: very well. I wanna begin by thanking you for joining us. I'm really excited for our conversation to talk all things restaurants, but I know I had a a brief intro there, but I think people would rather hear it from the man himself. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your career and what's brought you here to the great city of Chicago?
1: I'm a longtime food writer. I was a restaurant critic for the Denver Post for a little bit. And then for almost 20 years, I was the lead dining critic for the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. And then a few years ago, I moved to Chicago following my wife, who got an amazing job here. And then, and just recently have started writing restaurant reviews for Chicago Magazine. I've, you know, over the past few years, I've written a variety of different food articles for them. But now I am like officially the dude who reviews the restaurants and, you know, puts my thumb in various positions up and down.
0: I've always been interested to know what the process of critiquing a restaurant is. What things are you looking for from the moment you make your reservation to you get to the front door of the restaurant?
1: I'm always thinking about the reader and I'm trying to figure out who's reading this and whether if I write a restaurant review well, I always feel like I'm telling some people to go and some people not to go. They're going to hear what I have to say and be like, oh, yeah, this is totally not for me or can't wait to try this. I am a former restaurant cook, former lousy waiter. I worked as a waiter all through cooking school, but... Mm -hmm. uh, I was good at sales. I was really pretty clumsy when it came to you know wine glasses and things like that. But yeah, it's a different uh, type
0: of finesse, you know, between handling a knife is. and handling a wine bottle.
1: It is. I was not like a um, you know, a balletic uh, figure going through the dining room, but I was I was a pretty good cook in restaurants. I don't know, at a certain point, I um, started doing some freelance writing for an Alt News Weekly and then called Denver Westward and then became sort of a full-time critic. I look at it from those that perspective. I've worked in restaurants. I am very curious about if the chef has a distinctive point of view, if his food seems or her food or their food seems derivative in any way, um, or whether it's, seems like it's kind of coming from the heart. I look at the experience in the dining room to see if it feels comfortable for the space, if it's the right tone for the space. You know, if you're going someplace where, you know, in Chicago, there are a lot of Michelin starred restaurants and Michelin wannabe restaurants that are really trying to create a bit more spectacle and a bit more of this feeling of sort of a magical experience a night out and so it's important to see if that works but also I like to review restaurants that are on the other end of the spectrum I love uh learning about different foods from around the world and I just since I've been at Chicago Magazine I've made a real point to um draw people's attention to some of the great food that's happening out in the suburbs because I feel like you know there are a lot of um different kinds of world cuisine here that if you really want to get to know it better you've got to get out of the kind of trendy little places in the city and you've got to go out to the suburbs and see what you know newer americans are cooking
0: yeah i'd i'd love to hear if you had any recommendations for someone who's in chicago who you know is ready to book that uber to the suburbs where where should they head to where's some place that you've enjoyed
1: I mean, I recently wrote a big uh, story about the Koreatown that's happening in in Northbrook and in, uh, what's the name of the other, there's another suburb up there, but it's like when you go straight up uh, Milwaukee Avenue Mm -hmm. and you keep going up Milwaukee Avenue 12 miles and then you're there in Northbrook and that other place, Um, I wish I could remember the name of the suburb, but there's an incredible variety of Korean restaurants and you know what happens in korea towns is it's a um you know there's such a tradition there of bar hopping and restaurant hopping when people go out to dine in a korean city they will um you know go one place for dinner but then go another place for drinks and karaoke and you know maybe they won't have a big dinner maybe they'll have a, a light dinner and then they're going to get fried chicken and beer later on. And so, what happens is you get a variety of places opening near each other so that people can do that kind of little, you know, one, two, three hop around. There's a place up there I love called uh, New Village Gastro Pub. And it's not really like a gastro pub in, you know, what your sense of the word might be, but it is a Korean drinking, dining place with just awesome delicious food. There is, a, there is an entire fried chicken on the menu, if you can believe that. They take the entire chicken and deep fry it, <laughs> and wow. it's delicious. And they um, bring it to the table, and you just rip it apart. It is so good.
0: That sounds absolutely delicious. I'm gonna to have to make a trip. is like the perfect trifecta of things to do, and it sounds really exciting. Yeah. The neighborhoods around there are the other villages. Would be Deerfield, Glenview, or Northfield.
1: Ah, yes, Glenview. Glenview. That's, that's just a yes, little bit south too, but it really yeah.
0: isn't that far Glen- away. Like Glenview is almost parallel to Evanston. So get right. on the map, it with isn't people. Like away. it's not that.
1: And you go up there and there are 15, 20 Korean restaurants, and they might be, they all have specialties, you know, which is so cool. Um, Some of them might have, there's one place up there called Clay Pot that all they do is beef bone soup, but it's so good. They take these beef bones and just boil them forever. And... You get this really rich milky broth and it's just, you know, it's not fiery Korean food. It's super plain. But then, you know, they bring you really good salt to the table and some scallions and you can just taste like just a little bit of salt just brings everything out. It's such a cool thing. I love it.
0: Yeah, there's something beautiful about when you can find the best expression simply for an ingredient. And I think a lot of people spend a fair amount of time chasing just that.
1: Chasing that. And then, you know, sometimes you go to these restaurants where... You know, it's the uh, $200 tasting menu and you don't find that, you you know, you find the ingredients kind of obscured. And so I feel like, you know, when you can find it, it's just, you got to celebrate it for what it is.
0: Yeah. No matter where it is, Uh, no matter where it is, where do you see the dining scene and how that relates to whether it's, you know, casual or fine dining?
1: Um, It's very interesting. I think it's changing a lot. And I think, unfortunately, because of inflation and other, you know, and the problems with staffing and all that, it's um, it's become a bit more segmented. I think, you know, for most of the past 20 years, the ideal was a kind of a restaurant where you had, you know, nice small plates and good cocktails and good wine, and you could put together a beautiful share meal with people. And I think a lot of those restaurants didn't survive. I think that model is very difficult now. Um, And so what we're seeing instead of that are more, you know, various levels of tasting menus, um, which, you know, can be great or can be very expensive. (laughs) Um, And, you know, what you want to do is you want to find Restaurants that I we're seeing a lot more. Um, Bon Appetit just wrote about this, but you're seeing a lot more fast casual restaurants, places we order at the counter, but the food's really good. Like, one example is Daisy's Pope Boy and Tavern, which is in Hyde Park, it's the newest restaurant from merrick Williams. Oh, uh, yeah you know, it's a fast casual restaurant, but they've got killer cocktails, great, you know, fried catfish and po'boys and, you know, boudin balls and really good Louisiana food. And um, I think you're seeing that on one end and in the middle what people kind of want now are places that just have a bit more emotional resonance. It's like, it feels homey and it feels like, You know maybe it's a little more expensive than you want to spend but you know you feel like you're getting kind of your soul nourished a little bit from going out to them so we'll see what happens i mean i do think this is a hard time for restaurants i think a lot of places are having a hard time making it work during the week i mean it's weird how many places are just open thursday through sunday now it's very hard a lot of places are are operating on a three or four day a week schedule so you know it's changing. Um, yeah, they're like you know, new models
0: that you have to incorporate. Like the right, the new business owner now for a restaurant needs to be tech savvy enough that they can get onto pickup and delivery apps and know how to you know negotiate those percentages, and then also switch gears completely and still be able to deliver a personal experience for the
1: table Precisely. two so it's hard to you know change you know there's so many restaurants now that offer two completely different experiences like kasama which was our you know pick for the best restaurant of last year you know which is a beautiful tasting menu on friday and saturday and incredible like uh you know bakery and you know uh Cat, you know, cafe serving Filipino food during uh, the week.
0: Yeah, they have that truffle croissant and it's just like, it should, it's stupid good. It's just stupid tasty. It
1: is so fantastic. I've never been
0: so angry at a pastry before because it was just so perfect. There's nothing I I could ever want from (laughs) more than that.
1: I know. It really blows everything else out of the water. It's that good.
0: Yeah. And they're also really lovely people too. So that just kind of, they are. You just want to cheer for them their entire ride. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, no uh yeah tim floris and jeannie kwan they're you know husband and wife and he is filipino-american she's korean-american when they go to events like the james beard awards they always like dress in the exact same outfit they're I, oh just... they're
0: matching outfits are so cute
1: yeah they're so cute i i, I love them they're they're really kind of just charming people mm-hmm.
0: You recently had an article about Alinea and they're were considered the anchor for fine dining in Chicago, the only three Michelin star currently. And you know, they have a, a style that most of the Chicago industry will be more than well aware of, having done their time there.
1: Right. I mean, so many front of the house and back of the house go through Alinea at some point and they've at had some
0: a... point for at least a month. Right.
1: And they've had such an impact on Chicago and they've been so good about raising the profile of Chicago. I mean, I, I appreciate I appreciate so much what they've done. I feel that, I mean, I can tell you my history with Alinea quite Mm -hmm. simply. I, as a tourist here, many years ago, a few years after they opened, I went, I was blown away. I thought I had never tried food like this. The experience the sensations were so unexpected. You know, this was back when you're talking about places, I don't know, like the French Laundry or Danielle or other, you know, the high-end dining had, you know, hewed to a much more Eurocentric, very specific kind of um, conception of what good dining was. And here was Alinea making it very American, really pushing nostalgia buttons, really making rethink how you taste food. And that was fun. In 2016, they remodeled the restaurant. They, you know, sort of went to Alinea 2.0. And a good friend of mine who was a, uh, uh, a well-known critic from a, another publication, I'll just say, uh, and I went to Alinea. And we found the meal very confounding at that point. It was a lot of Showy business. I remember at one point, you know, like, you know, the room fills with, um, you know, dry ice smoke and LCD mm-hmm. sound system comes blaring out and they. No, oh, I heard about know, that. The, the ceiling panels come down. And I mean, you know, I, I love LCD sound system and I went and saw them at the Aragon, but I, uh, yeah, it was just like, it wasn't, it was fun, but it wasn't like a satisfying meal. I didn't feel fed. And you know, um, we went out afterwards to next door to Boca and just drank a bottle of wine at the bar. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? And so I think uh, that
0: happens to a lot of people. I think a lot of people end up at Boca after.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And so when the, you know, recently when we decided to review it, I mean, I felt like. You know, I, I knew that my last impression wasn't the best. I also know that, you know, there, you know, Grant Ackett's is a brilliant chef and he think he thinks he changes it up a lot. And um, but I just found it was still kind of stuck in this idea of trying to, you know, confound your expectations, put on a show, mix things up in a, in a way that was kind of intellectually interesting, but just didn't work in the palette for me. You know, I didn't go into it wanting to be a jerk. <laughs> I really yeah. wanted to be open. I insisted, despite the ridiculous cost that I go twice, because I thought that's very important when you review any restaurant. I, I don't think you can base an assessment on on, on one visit you know you've got to get a sense of you know and you can see inconsistencies like i could see inconsistencies in how the kitchen performed you mm-hmm. know for instance i could see how one a dish was made better once than another time how you know how the service upstairs and downstairs was different because they're different experiences so i know a lot of people are talking about it i haven't gotten much blowback i haven't had people rush to its defense yeah i feel you know i'm not a native Chicago and I'm new to the restaurant uh, community here, but I feel like I kind of said something that has been murmured a lot, but I'm one of the first people to say it out loud. Was that your impression? Yeah, I
0: would would say so. Um, An article like that, I think, resonated with a lot of at least the service industry um, to some extent, because it's thoughts that we've had, whether it just be a linear or at another fine dining restaurant, sometimes it feels as if people are pursuing an idea before they're pursuing the the actual experience of eating said idea. And I think that at this point, we are getting to the point where there are discerning enough diners where most people can see that like, Okay, I understand that this is what you you're hoping for me to experience, but at the end of the day, you still like you've ruined that oyster, so okay, there's exactly. no sea left like, to it, yeah,
1: you know, if you're gonna like i I thought one interesting dish at alinea was um. I was one that, you know, in the old way, and I found it kind of appealing as they had taken this rice and folded it in a mixture of, oh gosh, like orange juice and pureed uni and other things. And it really mm-hmm. created the sensation of eating Kraft mac and cheese. And I think it was wow. very intentional to try and recreate that. But, you know, I, I think. Today, my palate and other people's palates are getting to understand the difference between Santa Barbara and Hokkaido uni and trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, see that there is, you know, there's uni and there's uni. What if it's cold packed as opposed to brine? And, you know, when you go out and eat in a sushi bar, how is the uni going to be presented in a way so that that incredible flavor just opens up a little ziggurat of lightning in your brain. And that certainly was not happening at Alinea. I think that that's a big part of it is just that the manipulation of the food there is kind of a bit out of tune with the current tenor in dining today.
0: I feel that also is um, beginning to, I'm going to use a a liquid pun, but it's it's leaking into uh, the cocktail world as well. It seems that, you know, we've seen it all when it comes to both food dishes and cocktails people have turned things into air and made things float that shouldn't float but at the end of the day it seems as if there's this return and maybe it's the recession maybe it's coming out of the pandemic but a return to i just want something excellently done well
1: right you want to get like perhaps a classic cocktail done really well that's yes that's that's always been my uh my lesson for my kids is how to read a bar and to know that this is the place where, you know, like a steakhouse, you know, you're you're not gonna try the craft cocktails at a steakhouse, but you know that a bartender is gonna make an incredible Manhattan or martini, and so this is this is what you go there for. But I, I yeah, I feel that too. I mean, a cocktail is a, uh, and I've I loved your cocktails when I've tried oh. them.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Really, really liked your cocktails, and my friends who I uh, uh, dined with were, you know, I'm, I'm I'm more of a wine drinker than a cocktail drinker, mm-hmm. but I was dining with the biggest cocktail person I know, and he was like, "Oh yeah, these are serious cocktails." <laughs> so <laughs>
0: well, that's very kind of him. In my in my own personal life, I'm, I'm like nerding out on cider right now, so that's kind of.
1: I went through like hard cider, like, like uh, Spanish ciders and stuff. Yeah,
0: like Bosque ciders, like super dry, like picking an unripe apple and then biting into it. Level of yeah. lack of sugar. It's Those are spectacular because they're, I don't know, they, the best ones when you get the long pour and you have a sip of it, it can be like it's like an ethereal apple but it's you know it's just liquid
1: but there's no sugar in it right it's that whole thing of being i love that yeah when you can get that kind of the quality of, of sweetness or the um the suggestion of it through the flavors but then the sugar's gone like sometimes in a very very you know one of those sparkling wines like you can get from germany sometimes have oh yeah um, absolutely you know no dosage kind of thing in it so that's great mm-hmm. I want to bring I don't know how to do it yet i I can't reach chicago as well but i I would love to try and bring some dialogue to you know the restaurant world here a bit i i think um you know I, I i think there's so much talent here and there's so much going on but I kind of sometimes i would like i i'm having a hard time figuring out where the dialogue is out in the open
0: uh it seems to you know there it's gonna be in like The Irish pub that's in the neighborhood of all of those, you know, fine dining places at one in the morning, they're all going to, you know, head over there, have their beer in a shot, and then they're going to talk and, you know, they stay in their, their cliques, like every restaurant will like have a booth and right. um, But there is definitely. There's so much connection here. It's a a small industry town so that if you go and work at one restaurant, guaranteed, if you've been in the city for a couple years, you know someone who has worked with someone. And that's kind of how the dialogue continues between restaurants, at least. But I think it would be Mm -hmm. equally as important for us to be able to convey what we're trying to do with our food and our drink uh, to our guests without, you know, having to just have them experience it by reading a menu.
1: And I can imagine too, for you in the cocktail world, it's a bit, it's almost harder because I feel like people are a bit more confident in what they like in food and don't like, but craft Mm. cocktails, I think, you know, I think so many of them are bad. Honestly, I think they're, they can be very unbalanced. And when you get one that is beautifully balanced, I'm so thrilled by that. You know?
0: I think with cocktails, I think people can sometimes be a little bit more adventurous with their food choices, at least in Chicago mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. uh, with their cocktails. Like if you go to River North right now, I can almost guarantee you that every bar down there will have a signature old-fashioned a Manhattan and a martini riff, and then most of the others will be based off of classics. They're some places don't allow for enough creativity so that way you know right those part the those creative types can actually stretch and learn how do i balance something with like passion fruit foam or how do i you know let make sure that the ice melts at the right amount of time so that way the guest will enjoy it for the yeah. full full course that they're eating. It's not something you get to experience uh, if you're just making Manhattan's and old fashions over and over again. And for sure. Whatever anyone might say, Chicago is definitely an old fashioned town.
1: Oh, is it really? That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I, um, I mean, it's a bit there's a huge whiskey presence here. And if you go to I mean, I think Untitled has probably one of the biggest whiskey collections in the Midwest. It's it's definitely part of the the lexicon of Chicago cocktails.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I've been, I've spent a fair amount of time in Nashville. And I always think of, you know, there's so many bars there where they have the, you know, variety of old fashions or the places where mm-hmm. they, you know, kind of like, you know, ask you, you know, ask you about drinks you like and flavor preferences and then make the old fashioned to try and appeal to you, which is always yeah. kind of fun. Well, that's always a, that's always a trip when they do that. And generally get it wrong, but, you know. <laughs> but it's the, it's the thought that counts, you know? It is the thought that counts. Yeah, that that's very interesting. I find that, I mean, because when cocktails are, when they strike me well, I mean, I, I like flavors that are complicated, but then like wine, you know, wine when wine is good, there's the, you know, the upfront flavors and aromas, and then there's the finish, but in between there is the all-important mid-palate. Yeah. Where a secondary flavor comes in and makes a little, just a bridge. So you can jump from one side to the next and you feel that happening. And when that happens, when a well-made cocktail does that too.
0: I forget who said it to me, but every cocktail that you're ever going to make is going to want to try and be a, some type of wine. And I always thought that was really interesting to think about because wine Thanks is, to, you fascinating, know, it's resonated you know. with essentially created culture, just Vinification in general was part of the reason why we we stopped hunting and gathering. It's been part of our development as a culture forever. So it makes sense that if you go to try and make someone an alcoholic beverage, it should feel like wine in some way. This, of course, yeah. does not include egg white sours that's you know it's another beast entirely. but <laughs>
1: yeah. but
0: you you yeah. want to find that balance, and I think some of the best wines have balance, but they you know they reflect their terroir, and I think that's The move, of course, you know, cocktails should probably be moving towards is reflection of the sense of place of the the spirit that you've chosen,
1: right? Although, again, that's I I would imagine that's a bit. I mean, when you distill, it's you know, it it must um, remove some of. I mean, the terroir in a wine, all those flavors, those esters, I think might do those get distilled out to some degree. You know, I guess it's more like you know, it's more imaginative with cocktails. You've got to think if you're. You know, put yeah. zirbans kind of in something if you're, you know, in the Black Forest or whatever, you know, like if you're in a place where there's a lot of pine trees or something, you know, mm-hmm. that might make, I'm not sure what I'm talking about, but.
0: Yeah, you want to kind of like build off of it. There are some things that like wine, grapes, you 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 create that experience. But with distillation, it leaves up a whole room. I mean, anything that has sugar, you can distill it, so Reflecting the terroir of a place driven by sugarcane, you immediately think tropical fruits, and then you can kind of play off of that into eternity. Plug and play for centuries.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I mean, that's that is the art and the craft of both, you know, mixology and cooking. I think it's you know looking at where you are and what you have and what the flavors are, and then figuring out just the right way to manipulate them to just take it that little step further, and then you know, beautiful things happen. Sometimes I just wonder if with the linea and restaurants like that, that are, you know, I mean, it was very exciting to see ingredients so manipulated that you weren't, it was surprising. But, you know, now they have this, you know, the linea, they, um, they press caviar into, I guess, they they must uh, freeze dry it and press it into a block and then, you know, and then um, shave it with a microplane zester so that you get just this airy poof of, caviar shreds um but it's just like i don't know it's interesting but then it's just a commodity product you know caviar is something that has so much distinctive flavor based on where you know the fish was and the size and the you know it's like Mm -hmm. caviar is just this world of subtlety and that wasn't it so
0: the moment when you get to pop the caviar in your mouth, I think that's like right. I know that's a, to, seems kind to, of important. D- yeah. It's like what you're chasing for the Well, good. John, that brings us to to our time. Was there anything else that you you wanted to cover?
1: No, I think I'm good. Nice talking to you, Stephen, getting to know you a bit. And I look forward to seeing, you know, to trying some more of your creations. I You do great work.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I, I can't wait to continue uh, reading the work you do for Chicago Magazine. And you also have a, a website too, where you also write down your, you know, your ruminations on food and the meals that you have. Yes. You... It's,
1: it's, it's not been updated in a couple of years, but I do have a website, It's JDKess.com, and I welcome anyone to go there, and that always makes it easy to get in touch with me through that. So...